Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 343. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. This week on the show, we'll finally be talking about Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. We'll also be talking about some of what we're watching on the watch list, going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember to please consider reviewing us on iTunes. If you get a chance, that would be incredible. A couple housekeeping bits here. We did, I didn't think it was going to happen, but we actually did publish four pod, podcasts last week. Yeah, so we had both parts one and two of our horror, our Halloween special, where we talked about 90s Japanese horror movies. So you can check that out. Part one is on the regular weekly feed. Part two is on the Saved by the 90s feed. That was our October episode of Saved by the 90s. Had a lot of fun with that. We had a regular we had a regular episode that dropped on Wednesday, and we had a new Halloween edition of Ryan Watches a Movie that came out on Thursday as well. So yeah, check check all of that stuff out. I'm working on a new video review for a video game that should be up, I'm hoping, by the end of this week. Although we'll see. I'm I'm about 1500 words into the script and I'm starting to like formulate it. I played through the game. I got all the footage, but since you're for listeners, I'll give you a little tidbit as to what I'm working on. It's the 1996 game, bad mojo. Do you remember this game or have you, you never heard of it? It's a game where you play a roach. You play a guy who gets turned into a cockroach and you have to figure Mm -hmm. out, what's going on and get out of the situation. And it's maybe one of the grossest games ever made. It's it uses a combination of like pre-rendered CG and digitized photos. So everything looks very real. I mean, because literally a lot of it is photographs. So, and you're, and the whole game takes place in this like really disgusting dilapidated apartment building Mm -hmm. it holds up i'll I'll say that it it holds up it's still very very skin crawling it's based on it it's inspired by the franz kafka novella the metamorphosis okay yeah great game and i should have that video out i'm hoping i'm hoping by the end of the week i have off on tuesday for election day so hoping to crank out you're off for election day yeah (laughs) everyone should have off for election day they yeah they should because truthfully if i had to work on election day i might not vote like it might be one of those deals where it's just like oh it's a hassle yeah that's that's what they want but now since i don't have to go into work i'm guaranteed to go cast my vote as should as should everyone listening very important to vote Get your vote on. Get your vote. Rock the vote. <laughs> do they still do that? Oh, <laughs> do they still I rock the vote? Do. I think they brought it back. Rock the vote. God, I remember that shit. Oh, God. That <laughs> shit is like insufferable during it. I remember. Parasite. This is directed by Bong Joon-ho. I have a synopsis here. All unemployed, Kitok's family takes peculiar interest in the wealthy and glamorous parks for their livelihood until they get entangled in an unexpected incident. Now, we both saw this quite a while ago, but 
the week that it came out, I think we didn't do an episode. We didn't do a show or something. So we we missed it when it first came out. And then I really wasn't planning on coming back to it because usually we try to do stuff that comes out that week. But mm-hmm. this is such a major release. And we didn't even talk about it at all in the watch list or anything. Like we made no mention of this movie at all on the show. And I feel like we should because... Uh, not, uh, I don't want to bury the lead here, but this is this is my number one movie of the year, hands down. Well, it's interesting too, though, considering when we watched this, because I think we watched this in preparation of doing the show. I don't, but it, I don't think so. I don't think so because I saw it. I think I saw it before you, and I don't know. I don't remember how it all played either out. Way, either way, either way, either way. I think we watched, or I watched it at least in preparation for a show. That show fell through. But it's weird considering that this movie, for me and much of America, actually came out this past weekend. Oh, did like it? This past, like all this week has been nothing but radio ads, which is kind of bizarre to me to hear, you know, radio ads for Parasite. And then it actually, I, even more surprising, it actually showed up in movie theaters around here, which is insane. Wow. It. I know that the original limited release was on October 11th, and it was, it was sold out everywhere here in New York. Like every every screening, every time that they would announce new new screenings for it, it just sold out immediately, which I I love love to see that. I think that that's really awesome, and I think that it says a lot of good things about this movie. And I I like that it's that a movie like this is getting traction here in the states. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, especially considering that it's playing here, it made it to theaters here. Yeah, I mean, that's saying something. That's insane to me. That (laughs) releasing this weekend, Arctic Dogs and Parasite. Parasite, Parasite, and Arctic Dogs, man, kidding me. We do have a written review up uh, for this on the site. Chris reviewed it. It was screening at TIFF, and he saw it at TIFF, and he gave it a 10 out of 10. Now, Kevin, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. What did you think of Parasite? I did enjoy it. I wouldn't go 10 out of 10. I'm not going that high. But this is the, the best thing about this movie for me is that I pretty much went in. I had no idea. I had no idea what the hell this movie was about. And uh, there's the, you know, it's it's entertaining enough without like the the bizarre twist, that twisty, that happens, the unexpected incident. I think is what the synopsis refers to it as. And uh, you know, I did not see that coming. Nor did I. Kinda... Nor did I. I don't think anyone saw that coming. <laughs> I hope not. I, I think if you say that you saw that twist coming, you're a fucking liar. Well, yeah, either that or you, man, you got some fucked up problems. <laughs> the, the, the movie starts off and be like, oh, I know what's going on here. This, this is so obvious. <laughs> Obviously. It's just, just, but, just like uh, my life. <laughs> I've, seen, I've, I've heard of this happening. This is very prevalent in Korea. So, yeah, you know, it, it catches you off guard and it just, it, I mean, even before that happens, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty insane. So, you know, this unemployed family has, has their own little, each one has their own little skill 
that they that they deploy and utilize in order to kind of latch on to this to this wealthy family and you know start making some money so that in and of itself is like that's a good movie right there and then you throw in that unexpected incident that just you know throws everything into chaos and then it just everything gets out of hand every beat of this movie i was just so on board from the just from the first moments i thought that everything was just so immaculately presented and you're right it is the like the general concept where you have this poor family who is gradually inserting their their self, themselves into the lives of this wealthy family that's that's enough that's enough to to push this movie but again as you said when the unexpected incident occurs. You're just like, whoa, like this just took it up to 11 and it's, you have to see it. You just have to see this movie. I I knew a little bit about it going in. I did know that there was something about like a family inserting themselves into this other family. That's really all I knew. I didn't know about the, so I didn't know most of the, broad strokes of it so a lot of it was a surprise to me and I, and I think even even knowing what the general plot like what I read the synopsis even knowing that I think is fine because there's enough surprises here and the way in which they use use their social engineering abilities to to weasel their way into this family where you know each you know it starts off with the son and then he gets his sister in and then the dad and then the mom and, and just how, how they go about doing that, I think is fascinating on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I said, that's, that's enough there. That's entertaining enough. Like that's a whole movie. And then they just like, after, after the mom gets in, they're just like, well, let's throw in this other movie too. Throw in this whole new plot, shake things up a little bit. Now, we've seen actually quite a few movies coming out recently that discuss the disparity in class structure. And this is this is another one that takes a very pointed look at the the differences between, you know, upper and lower class. How do you how do you think this fares against some of those other movies that have been coming out recently that that tackle the same subject? I think this one is a a far more entertaining take on the idea or the, you know, the issue, the problem. This is, this is black comedy. It's kind of, it's over the top. It's ridiculous. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think of it as like a necessarily like a serious look. Like it has some bits and pieces there here and there, you know, but overall this is like a kind of ridiculous entertainment film in my eyes. Because it, it, it felt a lot like me, to me, something that we just watched not too recently, Microhabitat, which was the same issue just presented and explored vastly different. Microhabitat was a little bit more realistic in its... Yeah, and it's, it's like it, but it's like the exact opposite where it, she's someone that just says, yeah, you know what? I just, I need these two things. 
and fuck everything else. Yeah. Whereas this family's like, okay, we need to do everything that we can possibly do in order to try and get out of our situation. The thing, the thing that I found really endearing about this is, as you said in the beginning, they all have their own skill and it's not like they're completely scamming these people. Like they do the work, like the mom does the cleaning and Mm -hmm. the cooking. The dad is like actually an excellent driver and he does really good work. And the, the two, the son and the daughter, they also do excellent work with their, their chosen uh, profession in this family. So it's, that's kind of the funny thing is like, they're actually really good at their jobs, but they just needed that, that break. They needed someone to give them a chance. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, that's the one thing that I think this movie shows in terms of the wealthy in order, you know, to get jobs for the wealthy. Like you just have to know someone. Oh yeah. They, I mean, just, they get, they just, they just get to pick. They have a pool of people and they'll just, they'll pick someone and that person's lucky and they have a job. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's very similar how employment works like in New York, like in New York, it's all about who, you know, like when I, when I first moved to the city, I, I had a job, but I got laid off. Like after I lived, it was like, I was living here for a couple months and I got laid off and I had a really hard time finding a job and I ended up getting this sort of entry level position. Just, I got lucky and got hired, but through that I made connections and was able to get subsequent jobs after that. And now I'm in a good position in a good place. And that was just through luck. Like I just happened to know people and get that opportunity and I think that that happens far too often in society. Yeah. Well, and the other thing in this movie it shows is like how precarious the situation is that you're not even really aware of. Like this is just all based on their whims, you know, where it's like, yeah, you know what? Like kind of like a smell. You just might lose your job because he doesn't like the way you smell. Yeah. You might be fantastic at your job. You do everything fucking great, but there's just this little fucking quirk. Mm-hmm. He can't stand. You don't know about. It. He's not going to tell you about it. He's just going to let you go. Yeah. Yep. Uh, going back to the the comedy that you mentioned, I I would consider this to be a dark comedy. It's incredibly funny. I thought mm-hmm. the f- the family dynamic that is on <laughs> display here is wonderful. It is they feel like a real family where they're always, you know, giving each other shit and they're constantly making fun of each other. But there, you also feel the love they have for one another there too. That's very palpable. And I just, uh, I think that that just is a compliment to the, the wonderful script and also the performances, which to me, every single one was just a home run. Mm, Yeah. Everyone's perfect. The song Kang Ho is so good. I don't, I I know that he'll never win an Oscar because he's not doing much English, English language stuff, but give this guy an Oscar. He is so incredible in everything that he's in. It's, it's to the point now. And I don't, I hardly ever do this with, with actors. I'll do it with directors, but it's to the point now where 
if I hear about a movie that he's in, I'll see that movie. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a, that's the thing about him is that like his presence alone is very very welcoming. You know, as soon as he pops up on screen, you're just like, oh yes, thank you, thank you for showing up. This is gonna be a good time. And I mean, like, has he has he ever disappointed? No, never. I think maybe the first time we saw him was Joint Security Area. That would be my guess. I think that was the first time because he was in sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, but yeah, I'm pretty sure we saw Joint Security Area first. I think so too. I do want to see him in 2002's YMCA baseball team. <laughs> it's about the history of baseball in Korea in the age of Japanese forced occupation. Yeah, that sounds amazing. He's probably fantastic in it. I bet you any money. The dude's incredible in everything. He's just. Every role, every role he's in, he just crushes it. He's just such an inherently likable person. Obviously, this is going to be nominated for Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars. That I am sure yeah. of. That I am 100% sure of. But do you think this has potential to... Now, maybe nominated, but do you think it has potential to win Best Picture? The overall Best Picture? Yes. The one, the one that Green Book got last year? <laughs> yes. That's that yes. the word you're talking about? But if you remember, Roma was nominated last year. Or I guess it was this year. So, uh, but are you asking me a nomination or a win? I'm saying, do, does it have potential for a win? No. No. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. Unfortunately, I agree with you there. But to me... Again, you're talking about the prize that Green Book got, right? I am. Yeah. Thank you. I think it's a shoe in for, for best foreign language film. I think it'll probably be nominated for best picture, but it obviously won't win. I don't know. At this point, I don't know what, what would beat it. We still have a few big movies. Yeah. There's going to be some bullshit movie that comes out in the next couple of weeks. It's just absolute garbage. And that's the one that's probably going to win. Unfortunately, I think you're probably right on the money there. Any any other any final thoughts about Parasite? Yeah, you shouldn't have been listening to us at all. And you should have just watched it <laughs> without knowing anything. I think that it's we really it's really fun going in that way. Yeah, but I think that we kept things vague enough that there's still plenty of surprises to be had. Oh yeah. No, there definitely is. But man, when that unexpected incident <laughs> pops up. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, it was shocking. It was a shocking moment, one that I'm I'm very pleased to say it ex- existed. And the the way that it ends too is almost bittersweet in its in how it ended because I feel like the yeah. end, the ending was almost as shocking as the unexpected incident. Yeah, I I I thought the ending was a, definitely a bummer. Definitely ends on a down note. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so let's give this a score. Kevin, what are you going to give Parasite? I'm like a eight, eight and a half. It's a nine and a half for me. Oh, boy. Yep. What keeps it from being a 10? Huh? I don't, I don't really know, actually. <laughs> You're just holding off. You just don't want to commit. Uh, a 10? Yeah. I mean, I gave, it a, I gave it five out of five on Letterboxd. So it, it may be a 10. 
Okay. Oh, I wanted to, I, I forgot. I wanted to mention the production design on this. The, oh, the oh my God, that house. Oh my good God, that house. Yeah. Incredible. And of course it's the way that it's shot is completely stunning as well. Hajun Lee did the production design and, and designed the, the set of that house. And it is just incredible. I want that house. Well, you're not going to get it. I know. I told, I told my wife, I said, I'd be willing to, to move out of the city if you can get me that house. If, if we can move somewhere. I was like, you know, it doesn't even matter where. I was like, where, we can move wherever as long as it's that house, that exact house. Not, not something that's like a similar that exact house. You, you gotta, you gotta come out like here somewhere, and buy land, and then just build it. Yeah, I think that might. I think that's the that's the only way that's gonna happen. Yeah, but a house like that probably would cost millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. All right, that is Parasite. That's playing limited release right now, or actually, I guess it's wide release now. If it's playing in Elizabethtown. Are you kidding me? Right alongside Arctic Dogs. Uh, absolutely it is a must see so go go see it go see it right now all right let's talk about someone watching on the watch list kevin i believe it is your turn this week what do you got going on well i finally got around to watching part two of a bread factory oh it's like a month later yeah just before it left the movie well the, the the difficult thing is is this this presented itself in October, which trying to get my wife to watch anything that's not a horror movie in October is pretty much impossible. It's got to be a horror movie. And you, well, you'll see that it, it, it has to be a horror movie because I'll talk about another thing that, oh, boy, oh boy. But uh, so finished Bread Factory, part two. Part two is I, I didn't enjoy it as much as part one. I mean, it's still a fantastic movie. It's still very um, impressive in size and scope. Like, it's just kind of unbelievable that Patrick Wang is able to not only build this, like, whole community within this movie, but it feels like he pretty much created an entire town because of the the large cast of characters. And some people show up, you know, they might only be in one scene. You have no idea if people are going to come back again. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't, you know, people just come in and out of the movie throughout. It's just, it's pretty fantastic. The only problem that I have with a Fred Factor part two, which is just a hundred percent personal taste is that it had a lot more stuff that I'm not a fan of that. I just I can, like, I can't get into um, people singing their lines just for no reason. Mm. Like it's, it's, it's a thing. I get it. But I just, me personally, I don't like it. And I just wanted them to stop doing that. And they wouldn't. And then there's also like two or three scenes. Because there's like this, these tech people that come in too. And they're always on their phones. So the way they show them on their phones is they tap dance. And I think tap dancing is like my least favorite thing in the world. <laughs> I'm not so a big fan of that. that happens, I hate tap dancing. I don't understand it. It just. It just irritates me. It angers me, really. I don't get why you're doing that with your feet and why someone would want to do that and want to hear it. It just makes no sense to me. So there's there's a couple of things like that. Now, again, that's just absolute 
personal taste. I just hate tap dancing. You know, what are you going to do? But God, do I hate tap dancing. <laughs> I fucking hate it. That is the bread factory part too. <laughs> that I hate it so much that I get, I get hung up on that, which honestly, this movie is two hours long. There's maybe three minutes of tap dancing, maybe. But man, I fucking hate tap dancing. Learn something new about you every day. I think that we've talked about this before. Probably. I fucking hate it. Fucking hate it. Uh, all right. One that I forgot to mention last week because I forgot to log it, but I wanted to mention it uh, is Doberman. This is directed by Jan Kunen. This is a it's a French film that came out in 1997, and it stars Vincent Cassell and Monica Bellucci. Wow, this movie is absolutely nutso. It is insane. It's like reminds me of like one of the crank movies or something like that where it's just so it takes place in a in a a post tarantino you know post pulp fiction world where everything is just cranked up to insane levels and vincent cassell plays this guy named doberman who is he's like a he's like a bank robber he's like a robber type guy and they they rob this bank and they end up getting hunted down by this police officer who is this crazy sadistic killer cop and that's pretty much it it's like sort of a cat and mouse thing but the action is so over the top and ridiculous like he has this crazy gun that like shoots these explosive bullets that he like writes phrases on and stuff and it it's just so over the top and out of control. Uh, it, I never even heard of it before. Someone mentioned it and I can't remember apologies. I can't remember who mentioned it on Twitter, but after I read that tweet, I was like, Oh, I'm going to look into this movie. And, uh, I sought it out and man, it is nuts. You should check out Doberman. I do want to see this completely. It is completely bonkers. And it, it just Vincent Cassell, just hamming it up. Monica Bellucci plays his girlfriend and she's deaf. And that actually lends itself to a pretty interesting scene. There's this shootout that occurs in a nightclub and it will periodically switch to like her, not her POV, but like it'll cut off the sound. So we can like experience it the same way that she is where you're in this crowded nightclub, there's shootouts, there's people screaming, there's all this chaos and she just hears nothing. So Mm -hmm. it's, Yeah. Definitely check out Doberman. Watch a horror movie called Terrifier. Oh, yeah. From 2016. I never saw this, but I am familiar with it. Yeah. You know, it's a a clown. His name's Art. Art's the clown. And uh, he just, you know, mutilates a bunch of people. And, like, his character design is great. He's a really creepy looking dude. He's very gaunt. He's got a very long face. The makeup work is fantastic. He's, he's much like the Joker in that he finds crime and murder to be funny. But he never talks. He never speaks. So he just mimes everything. All right? But the, the disappointing thing about this movie is that he's kind of like, you know, stalking these, these women. And they end up getting cornered in, it's like an apartment complex, I think, or maybe an office building of some sort, where they're, the building is getting bombed, you know, for for i think rats so they end up getting trapped in like the basement area 
of this apartment complex, which just looks like the most ridiculous basement that there is. Like the it, the size of this basement is pure insanity. I mean, there's like 20 cars in there for some reason. I don't know how that's possible, but there's just all these rooms and there's just opportunities for him to murder people because there's like a homeless woman that lives in there. So it, what it ends up becoming is they get trapped in this very bland environment setting. And he pretty much it just turns into like tor- torture porn. And it's just, it was really disappointing and just really fucking dumb. And none of it made sense because apparently also he can't die. I don't know why they don't tell you, but he can't. That's a thing. Like they have like this built-in myth form that I don't know. It just, it felt like I was missing something. Like, I don't know if there's more of a history for Art the Clown, but it is just kind of the way everything's presented is like, yeah, you should know about Art the Clown. You should know about his entire mythology. But I don't, I don't, I've never heard of Art the Clown. <laughs> that's terrifier. That ticket that's on Netflix. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's long. Even it's only 84 minutes. Okay. Which I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that's not that long. Kevin. You don't understand time. But the real feel of watching this movie is closer to like two and a half hours. I don't know how that works. I don't know if that's part of Art, Art the Clown's mythology as well. The power that he holds and you, wields elongates time. Uh, maybe I don't know, but the the only good thing about it, I will say before I finish, is that all the all the effects work are practical, and they're they're pretty damn impressive. I mean, there's like a bunch of beheadings. Someone gets sawed in half. You know, it's pretty impressive stuff. I feel like you need to start not going to Netflix for horror movies because their horror movie selection sure. is abysmal. I'm not. I'm not picking them. I'm just along for the ride. Right? <laughs> Gotta get you hooked up with Shutter and start picking picking some from. And there's bad ones on Shutter too, to be to be clear. But uh, all right, I saw the Nightingale. This is the directed by Jennifer Kent. Ooh, yeah. This is on Hulu. Yeah, came out oh, on for real. Yeah, what? I te- I texted you and I said the Nightingale's on oh, Hulu. I think he- <laughs> See, I told you I don't retain information well. <laughs> It's on VOD and Hulu right now. Okay. Uh, it takes place in 1825 in Tasmania, and it's it involves a a young woman, a 21 year old Irish woman who is a convict, and she has a husband, she has a baby, and she's under the the control of British soldiers. Even though she served her time, she's and she's trying to get them to free her. They refuse to free her. And mm. something absolutely horrific happens to her. And it sets her down a path of revenge. She g- hires an, a, a, an Aboriginal man to accompany her. And the bulk of the movie is her hunting down these British soldiers who did this really awful thing to her. This is a really, really heavy movie. It's difficult to watch at times. I think I read some stuff about, you know, people saying that it's, that it's pretty heavy, but you know, I've seen a lot of movies that are, that contain difficult subject matter. And I didn't think that it would really affect me too much. I mean, I expected it to, to bother me and make me uncomfortable, but it's just, 
it's so brutal what happens and it's really it's really hard to watch and i understand i understand why jennifer kent did it i also understand that like a lot of people had problems with this movie even though apparently she went to the uh like native councils there and got approval for everything and made sure that everything was presented in a respectful way a lot of people had issues with the how she portrayed indigenous people of uh, the indigenous people of tasmania because it's in a lot of ways it's a story about this you know young white woman and there's a lot of really horrible things that that happen to indigenous people in this movie as at the service of you know this this white woman's story and so i can understand the issue that people might take with it from that angle. That being said, it's still a really powerful movie. I wouldn't go as far to say that it's a genre film, but it definitely takes inspiration from a lot of genre pictures. Certainly, Jennifer Kent seems to like to play within genre territory. It's mm-hmm. very it's very violent. There's a lot of really horrific things that happen to people in this movie. I will recommend it, but just understand going into it that there are some moments that happen during this that I think could easily offend or trigger a lot of people. So I watched a, uh, a documentary that has not come out yet. This is, you know, still playing festivals, I guess, but it's called Those That at a Distance Resemble Another. This is directed by uh, Jessica Sarah Renlin. And this is for people that enjoy anything that involves like museums, conservation work, that type of thing. Because that's all this movie is. It's six, 67 minutes. Pretty short doc. The camera is just up close. Pretty much all you see is hands working on whatever they're working on. You don't get a whole lot of information. It's just a ton of different conservation type jobs so they have uh like the main thing is them they're building like a replica of an elephant tusk so you'll just and there's no you know there's no talking head there's no they don't go into depth you know they don't give you play by play of what they're doing you know what stage they're at any of those things it's just the hands doing the job working on it and you might hear some some discussion, you know, whoever the person is and whoever's in the room with them. But mostly it's just the camera up close on whatever it is that you're doing. And cut in with that is at the beginning, there's this kind of, it's just a very short explanation of two holler monkeys that were kind of like released back into the wild. So the sounds of the jungle and these howler monkeys is like playing throughout. And for whatever reason, and again, this is probably just a matter of personal taste because these are a lot of things that are like in my wheelhouse, just stuff that I really enjoy and love. It's just, it was a very, very peaceful viewing experience. You just kind of get sucked in to just seeing, you know, they're cleaning bones, they're measuring pottery, you know, ancient artifacts, all that type of stuff. A bunch of the, those types of things is what's happening here. And that's just, that's to me, it's just always been endlessly fascinating. So just seeing that unfold and then in such a, like a 
a calming presentation. It was, uh, it was pretty fantastic. I enjoyed it. I'm actually kind of interested in this too. And it's one of those things where I'm just like, he, it's also a lot of like jealousy, like <laughs> mounting. Because yeah. I'm just like, I want that, I want that fucking job. Yeah. And the worst part is here is like, they're showing you what they're doing and you know, it's all stuff that it's like, I could do that. I can do that. Like you're just, you've made a 3d render and then you're vacuuming up everything that's not used. I can do that. And I work vacuum shop back. <laughs> I've done that. And like when they're cleaning bones, they just have like um, cut up sponges and then some like tacky, like putty type stuff. And they're just, they're just rubbing the bones with it. And it's like, I can do that. Hire me. I'll clean all the bones. bones. <laughs> Rub bones all day. Please, I would love to. Honestly. That type of work is, is something that I also enjoy. Just a lot of people find something like that to be tedious, but I actually I, the more quite enjoy The more that. tedious, the better. That's, that's the thing. For me, it's like the more tedious, the better. And especially if it's cleaning. Because, I don't know, there's something oddly uh, very satisfying. Oh, yeah. You can see that something is dirty, and then you cleaned it. Yeah. Like, it's fantastic. Like, you know exactly what you did. Yeah, there's like those videos on on the internet and stuff with like satisfying like videos that are there's like a, a whole subreddit for like satisfying videos and a lot of them are like videos of people power washing, uh, like oh, yeah. sidewalks and stuff. Well, that's yeah. a, they even do that one thing. I I don't know what it is. I it's I think it might be an elephant tusk, but they're using like a laser to like get off like all the black buildup on this tusk. And it's like really, really in close, so you can see the laser, like hit, and it kind of like burns it off. So you just see like all these little circles, and they're just, you know, they're just doing the thing, just cleaning off all this back, and you're just like, yo, I like this. Nice. And that's those that at a distance resemble another. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw the latest in the Hulu. Into the Dark series, uh, which is called Pilgrim. This is their Thanksgiving one. It's directed by Marcus Dunstan. And, you know, I liked the last two or three. Actually, I liked the last, I think, four uh, Into the Dark movies. And so I was thinking they're on a a roll here. I'm pretty excited about this one because it starts off really good. The basic premise is that there's this, this family. They're all kind of in their own worlds. They're constantly connected to their, their phones and their tablets and all of this stuff. And they're not really connecting with each other. And the, the mom decides that she's going to hire this company to send over reenactors so that they can have like this traditional Thanksgiving where there's no technology or anything like that. And you have these, actors who are in the the pilgrim outfits and they are in character the whole time but guess what the the pilgrims that come over are killers and they try to try to kill them oh boy so like i said it starts off pretty pretty interesting but it really devolves like it really sort of slowly falls apart and by the end i'm just like oh okay i'm i'm completely disconnected from this now the weird thing about this is that it's really tonally scattershot. Like it's very serious. It plays like a serious horror movie all the way up until the end when it just goes completely bonkers and off the rails. 
And then it starts to try to make it almost like a comedy of sorts. It actually sort of reminded me of Ready or Not, where it's like that sort of action horror comedy. And it just doesn't really work at all because of the previous hour that we spent with it, where it was this sort of almost psychological horror movie where you know that there's something really off about these people and you're not quite sure what it is, but they're slowly like ingratiating themselves into this family and they're like building this weird shed in the backyard and it all feels very creepy. And then all of a sudden it's just like this really gory splatter fest that's not taken seriously at all. And it just overall left me feeling a bit meh. I mean, there's not that many Thanksgiving-themed horror movies out there. And while I think that this one starts off... I mean, it certainly nails the theme. It is very much themed around Thanksgiving. But the characters are all pretty unlikable. They're all really one-dimensional, really stereotypical characters. And uh, yeah, I was just left feeling a bit disappointed with Pilgrim mm-hmm. on Hulu. It seems like a, a lot of, you know, a lot of work, a lot of build up creating this and then just throwing it all off the table and just, yeah, killing people. Yeah. Which is, you know, the, the, the whole conceit of this, this group that comes in these pilgrims. Oh, and, and at one point, like they start multiplying. So like the, the protagonist who's the daughter and the family, she, she comes home and there's like five of them in her house. So like more and more pilgrims start showing up at, at her house. And so it's, it's, it's pretty cool. But then like, it just, yeah, it just kind of falls off the rails. That's all I got, by the way. That's all my, that's all my movies. All right. movies. I guess I'll mention the laundromat. This is the new Steven Soderbergh one. It's on Netflix. And it's like this one, I feel like nobody was talking about this at all. No, it seems like it just came and went. Yeah, came and went. I decided to to give it a look. And for the first like 20, 30 minutes, I'm just like, why is nobody talking about this? This is, this is pretty solid. This is a pretty solid movie. I'm really into this. It's got a huge cast, huge, like so many people that I I don't even want to list them all here. I mean, Meryl Streep is the lead but and then what happens is it sort of takes a turn and i'm i was sort of left a little bit befuddled as to what was going on and how this movie was structured it's really strange this is just like soderbergh just throwing everything out there like he's just doing whatever there's no rules in this movie they're breaking the fourth wall like half the movie goes by and it's one thing and then they completely switch and it's it's like it turns out that the movie's like told in vignettes almost where they drop like Meryl Streep it follows Meryl Streep for a long time then they just drop her and it's following this other family and it's all like a bit jarring it's a very very messy movie I I still I, I still found myself entertained by it overall but it just Maybe maybe it would have worked better as like a series, like a like a mini series or something. But as is, it just didn't quite work. And then 
they do this thing at the end where Meryl Streep breaks character and like, I, I sort of understand what he was going for with that, but that didn't work for me either. Like that just felt a little bit too heavy handed, mm. especially when you have someone like Meryl Streep, who is probably a very, very wealthy woman who's talking about, you know, these giant corporations that are avoiding paying taxes and all of this stuff. And yes, it was entertaining, but boy, was it, was it a messy endeavor? I guess that's why no one's really talking about it. I think so. Yeah. All right. Let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Got marriage story. I believe this is going to be in theaters and on Netflix. I think this is coming to Netflix. Also, this is the Noah Baumbach one. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you think about this? No, thank you. You know, I had the opportunity. I had the opportunity to see this at the New York Film Festival, and I I opted not to. It looks so heavy, man. It just looks so heavy to me. Yeah, it just it, it's just a lot of stuff that I have no interest in. It's also 136 minutes, so it's it's a long oh, one. See, I I didn't even know that. So now that I know that, it's locked in. Yeah. I mean, I'm I might give it a look before the end of the year just to just to make sure you know it's, it wouldn't have ended up on one of my year end lists. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think it's for me. One that is for me is Doctor Sleep. Oh, by the way, oh, Mar- Mar- Marriage Story is in theaters November sixth. I think it's probably also on Netflix that same time. Gotcha. It's either that or Friday the eighth. Dr. Sleep is one that I'm quite excited for. Very excited for Dr. Sleep. Are you excited for this? No, I'm not. It looks awful. I 100% disagree. This is written and directed by Mike (laughs) Flanagan, and I'm a pretty pretty big flanatic. Oh. I just just coined that term. Flanatic. That's the only thing that makes me slightly interested in this movie. Is because because of him directing. It's uh, gotten pretty good reviews so far. So, I mean, I I think that the the key here is to not go in with the intent on comparing it to The Shining. I think that that would be the wrong way to go into this. Yeah, but they also want you to do that because that's the only way they can fill this movie. I don't know. I I think that if it was something else that. Mike Flanagan was working on they'd they'd be able to sell it. I think that that I think he's a really great director and he's got some really great yeah. ideas. Anyway, uh, I'll I'll definitely be seeing this one. We also have Midway. This is the that uh, war movie that doesn't look great. <laughs> oh, that war movie. Roland Emmerich directed war movie. Oh yeah, no thank you. Yeah, yeah, not not too into that. Uh, Jojo Rabbit looks like it's getting a wider release on Friday. So maybe maybe it'll end up in your in your neighborhood, Kevin. Do you think? It might. Do you think there's a chance? I don't know. It might. We'll see. It's got some star power behind it, so it's true. But I don't know if it's enough to, to knock uh, Arctic dogs out of the theaters around here. <laughs> oh god, Arctic dogs. Oh boy. Oh boy, that looks so bad. We also have Last Christmas. This is the the rom com 
directed by Paul Feig. Did not know that with Amelia Clark. This is a, a lot of movies coming out with directors. I know. You know like, I, like big name this weekend. I've seen a bunch of trailers for this movie, and I had no idea this was directed by Paul Feig. It doesn't make me want to see it anymore. I think it looks really bad, but who knows? It's also written by Emma Thompson. Yeah, really weird. I, I had no idea about this. And she's she's in it too, Emma Thompson. Still, still not interested enough to see it. Uh, we also have Honey Boy coming out. There we go. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's not certainly that will not be playing in your area. <laughs> no, not at all. But it still means that I'm one step closer. It is an Amazon Studios movie, so it will end up on Amazon Prime at some point. I mean, hopefully before the end of the year for you. I'm I'm hoping. I'm really hoping. Yeah, really excited to see that finally. We also have Danger Close. That's an action movie. Race Time, which looks to be an animated film. Love is Blind. The tagline for that is, we all have blind spots. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much it for theaters. VOD this week. On the 5th, we have The Wrong Todd coming out. (laughs) What? The Wrong Todd. Oh, I got to look this up. You need to sit down and watch this with your dad. Yeah, it involves, um, it's like a sci-fi comedy. Involves an evil twin from a parallel universe. Oh, boy. Could lend itself to some humorous moments. It almost sounds like that Netflix show, the one with Paul Rudd. Yeah. Which I I watched the first two episodes of, but never finished it. Any good? It was, it, I don't know. It was not. It wasn't very funny. I don't know if it was an. It was supposed to be funny or what, but it didn't quite hook me. I mean, I might still go back and finish it. I just had other things going on. Ice Blue comes out. Looks like a thriller. Oh yeah. It's got a really not not a great poster. The truth can be deadly. Well, it also IMDb says this is from 2017, so that's interesting. Yeah, might have had like a screening at a festival or something early on. Uh, we also have Return to Mount Kennedy. This is a documentary. Eminence Hill. This is a it's a western with Lance Hendrickson. Oh, Barry Corbin's in there. Dominique Swain. Then on the eighth, we have. Primal, starring Nicolas Cage. Yes. Let's see what this is all about. The ultimate hunter versus the ultimate predator. Nicolas Cage plays a hunter and collector of rare and exotic animals. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. So he's on on a fresh haul of exotic and deadly animals from the Amazon, including a rare white jaguar, along with a political assassin. Oh, boy. extradited to the U.S. in secret. Oh, boy. The assassin escapes and releases all the captive animals throwing the ship into chaos. Are you fucking kidding me? We'll have a review for this up on the site shortly after this episode (laughs) drops. Uh, Amanda wrote wrote a review for us on this one. This sounds incredible. Yeah, 
He's got some. Twenty twenty is going to be a big year for him. He's got some really interesting things coming out in twenty twenty. He's got some crazy stuff coming out in twenty twenty. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. We also have Love Is Blind. Coldbrook. Coldbrook is the directorial debut of William Fickner. Mm-hmm. And that's about it for VOD on Blu-ray this week. Not a lot going on on the Blu-ray front. We've got a lot of 4K releases of Disney movies like Moana, Big Hero 6, Zootopia, Tangled, Princess and the Frog. Probably some other ones in there. We got Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark coming out. It's a little let down with that one, honestly. It was okay. Mm-hmm. But Hobbs and Shaw is coming out. Oh, yeah. I'll give that a look. Looks fun. The Art of Racing in the Rain. Arrow is releasing Apprentice to Murder from 1988. Undercover Brother 2 is coming out. Didn't know that existed. And Corporate Animals from earlier this year. And that's... Oh, The Wrong Todd is also coming out on Blu-ray. Who could forget The Wrong Todd? That's pretty much it. What about Criterion's? There's exactly zero. Yeah. Thought so. Pretty so it's a pretty light week for Blu-ray. They're probably waiting till maybe uh the Black Friday stuff. We might be getting a big big set of releases in the coming weeks. All right, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on your podcast platform of choice. We appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.